have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm honored to have this opportunity. I'll just be honest with you. I'm honored that God called me to do anything for Him. I really am. I'm still humbled to know that the God that created it all has called me to do a small part in the work that He is doing. And so, uh, there are other messages that I would prefer to preach tonight in our home church. We're doing a study on the family entitled Home Improvement for the last three weeks. And uh, boy, I'd love to share some of that. I'm taking guys through Kingdom Man right now. Uh, two groups of seven men at a time through that study. I'd love to share some of those truths with you tonight that God has been doing. But uh, the Lord has something else on my heart that I want to share. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are times that, that, that you, you go into the pulpit and you just don't really know if, if this is exactly what God has. But I'm telling you, God's confirmed it for me tonight that there's at least one person that needs this message. There's at least one person that needs the message that I'm going to give. And aren't you thankful that we serve a God that will still speak to just one? If you're here tonight and dealing with what no one else is dealing with, God will still speak to you because He loves you that much. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 8. Of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. Would you stand with me if you find your place there? So we give reverence to the reading of God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 says this, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, yet not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall also raise us up by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundance of grace might not through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice verse 17. For our light affliction. Think about that. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, are eternal. If God would help me, I'd like to preach for just a little while tonight on seeing through the suffering. Seeing through the suffering. Let us pray. Father, we love You tonight. God, we're grateful for Your goodness and for Your mercy. We thank You for this church. God, I'm grateful for a body that loves You. God, I'm thankful for men in this room that love their pastor, that support their pastor. And God, I know that You've called this man to, to shepherd this body. And Lord, I'm grateful 
for Joplin, what he means to me, and, and God, how we've been able to grow together and work together, Lord. And I just thank you for what you're doing in Derby. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this community. And Lord, tonight, God, we just pray that you would uh, breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would speak to us. And God, as, as the Spirit of the Lord speaks, may we have an ear to hear what thus saith the Spirit of the Lord tonight, Father. We pray, God, that you would captivate hearts and captivate minds. And God, as James said, receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save our souls. God, do what only you can do tonight, Father. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In 1983, a man by the name of Harold Kushner, a rabbi, wrote a best-selling book entitled, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Rabbi Kushner and his wife lost a 14-year-old child, a little boy named Aaron, two days after his 14th birthday. In dealing with that loss and in dealing with their suffering, Rabbi Kushner wrote this book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And it's a bestseller for several reasons. It's still popular today. Number one, the book is very well written. It's, it's absolutely well written. It deals with the emotions. And though it has a lot of theological errors in this book, and it does, it, it, it speaks to the hearts of all people because it touches on a universal chord, and that is suffering. Suffering is the common denominator of all men. The reality is we live in a fallen world and we live uh, and we deal with suffering on a daily basis. C.S. Lewis was asked one time by a person, why is it that so many Christians are suffering when the world seems to be prospering? And he replied, why not? They're the only ones that can really handle it. Think about it. But what I want to suggest to you tonight, in the year of 2013, is that we all suffer whether we're saved or lost whether we're male or female, whatever our social status is, race or religion, listen, we suffer in a lot of different ways, physically, emotionally, financially, mentally, spiritually, but the reality is tonight that we in the Western church have a terrible theology concerning suffering. We are so spoiled and we are so prospered that we do not suffer well. And listen, the purpose that God created you in the beginning is that He created you that you might have fellowship with Him and that you might glorify Him. See, the Reformers had it right when they said the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But the reality is we have a very poor in the Western church, we have a very poor theology concerning suffering. That's why we complain so much. That's why we get bitter so much. That's why we get angry with God. We blame God for this and we blame God for that because the reality is we have terrible, terrible theology concerning suffering. There's a lot of theologies concerning suffering. You have the theology of Job's friends that they believe that suffering is the result of personal sin. Now, not all suffering is not the result of personal sin. It can be because of your personal sin, but not all suffering is. If you recall, even Jesus' disciples carried part of this theology. When they were talking about the man that was born blind, they said, who did sin, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. That the works of God should be made manifest. Amen? The theology of Job's friends. But then you have the theology also of the health and wealth gospel. Believers should never suffer. All suffering is a result of the devil. But Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. 
But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen? So all suffering is not the result of the devil. Now, can the devil be responsible for some suffering? Absolutely. But all suffering is not responsible to the devil. And then you have the theology of the atheist that just simply says that your suffering is random, your suffering is by happenstance, that it's just random chance that it's happening to you. And then you have a, a, a theology concerning suffering that is very, very prominent, even amongst believers, but is erroneous. And some people believe that God created the world that we live in, but He's not 100% completely in control of this universe. It's called deism. Deism says that God created the world, He set it all in place, but then He retired from the scene. Everybody look right up here. It's not scriptural. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says He upholds all things by the word of His power. All things. The universe stands at attention tonight at its Creator still. God is completely in control of the universe that He created tonight. Amen. And so I want to suggest to you tonight that all suffering is under the rule and the reign of a sovereign God. God is absolutely 100% completely in control tonight of the, uh, of the universe that He created. And listen, your suffering tonight is not meaningless. It is not accidental. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And if it's happening to you tonight, listen, it's not a surprise to God. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, listen, Job said, man, that is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. But because of our poor theology concerning suffering, we have a tendency to be angry with God. We have a tendency to even become bitter and blame God, but it's interesting. In the Old Testament, no one ever suffered greater than Job. And the Scripture says in Job 1.21, In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Isn't that amazing? He sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You say, Job didn't even question and Job didn't even doubt. I didn't say that. Job did question and Job did doubt. And you have to understand some believers don't really understand the difference between doubt and unbelief. See, doubt is okay. It's inner uncertainty. But unbelief is the refusal to believe. Big difference. John the Baptist, whom Jesus said, there's none greater on the earth, he doubted. When he was in Herod's prison, when his time was almost over, he doubted. He said, should we look for another? Go ask Jesus. Is he the one? Or should we look for another? And John the Baptist was the one that was there when he said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Messiah, but doubt rose up in his heart one day. So doubt is the inner uncertainty, but uh, unbelief is the refusal to believe. But one of the things tonight that we need to understand is that, that we don't have a place to question God, that to, to be bitter or to be angry with God over what is happening in our lives. We need to understand what the Scripture says about suffering. And if anybody is qualified to teach us about suffering, Paul is. He's the New Testament prototype of Job in the Old Testament. And so tonight what I want to do is look through the Scripture and see some things about the suffering of Paul and about the sufferings in our life. And the first thing I want you to see tonight and I want you to understand is number one, suffering is temporary. Suffering is temporary. In Romans chapter 8, Paul deals extensively with the issue of suffering in the life of the believer. And he said this in Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And then in our text, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he said, For our light affliction, notice this, which is but for a moment. See, the devil wants you to believe that your suffering is permanent. But I want to serve notice on the devil tonight that your suffering is temporary. 
Why? Because the Word of God says that your suffering is temporary. Our light affliction, was, which is just but for a moment, notice this, worketh for us for a far and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, our, no, our afflictions are light and temporary compared to eternity. And then Peter, he addresses the issue of suffering in our lives. And notice what he said in 1 Peter 5 and 10. And after ye have suffered a little while. After ye have suffered a little while. The God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Listen, after ye have suffered, how long? A little while. Do you know the, some of the five greatest words in Scripture are in it came to pass? And it came to pass. But listen to me, there's an enemy of your soul tonight that wants you to believe that your, your suffering is permanent. That the suffering, listen, that the troubles and the heartaches and the issues that you're dealing with, He wants you to believe that they're permanent. And therefore, that is why we have so much discouragement in the church. That's why we're depressed. That's why we're discouraged. That's why we're beat down. That's why we're not living the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for us to have. Listen to me. We need to get a hold of what James said in James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into diverse temptations. We need to get the joy that the Apostle Paul and Silas had when they were thrown into prison at midnight. The Bible said that they sang praises unto God and they prayed at midnight. Why? Because they had joy in their hearts even in the midst of their suffering. Even in the midst of their suffering. Why did they have joy? Because they knew that their suffering was temporary. Your suffering's temporary. You say, preacher, you don't understand. I've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. It's still temporary. Amen? You know why people get so excited about Revelation chapter 21? Man, when people read Revelation 21, I'm telling you, you can make a cold free will Baptist shout reading uh, Revelation chapter 21. You know what? It dawned on me one day. It's the absence of suffering. There are only four chapters in the Bible that do not deal with suffering. It's Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22. Everything else deals with suffering. Everything else we're dealing with the fall of man. But the reality is tonight that your suffering is not permanent. Your suffering is temporary. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You say, but preach, I've got a broken heart and it just seems like it's never going to heal. I've got family problems. I've got marital problems. My wife walked out on me this and that. We're, we go through and, and the reality is tonight that you think that you're never going to get over it, but your suffering tonight is temporary. You say, I'm emotionally a basket case. I'm filled with fear. I'm filled with anxiety. I, I, I've got financial collapse in my home and it just seems like things are never going to be like they used to be. I've got good news for you tonight. The suffering that you're going through, the troubles that you're going through, they're not permanent. They're not going to last forever. They're just temporary. Amen. Suffering is temporary. The enemy wants you to believe that it's permanent. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to give up and believe that it's all over. How many know it's not over tonight? Amen. The God that we serve is in control and you're suffering tonight. It is not permanent. Jacob, your suffering is temporary, brother. Amen. How many know his, his suffering is temporary in this life? Amen. One day in the presence of God, there will be no more suffering. Not only is our suffering temporary, but our suffering is educational. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has a thorn in the flesh. And listen to me, suffering is a great instructor. Suffering is a great instructor. Suffering teaches us many things that we cannot learn elsewise. Listen, one of the things that you have to understand is suffering humbles us and destroys the pride in our lives. Suffering humbles us and destroys the pride in our life. The Bible says 
that, that Paul was given the thorn in the flesh. Notice this. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul was receiving revelations. And things were happening for him spiritually. That, that he was uh, getting to new heights and new levels. And the Bible says, There was given unto me the thorn in the flesh, lest I should be exalted above due measure. See, the reality is, is that if the church doesn't deal with trouble every once in a while, God knows the church is going to become self-sufficient. If the believer doesn't go through a few things here and now in this life, we're going to become self-sufficient. Amen? It's the worst form of pride that there is to think that we don't need God. But how many know tonight we need Him? And suffering humbles us. It destroys the pride. It destroys the, the idea that, that I'm doing okay and that I've got it all under control and I can do this and I can do that. The reality is, just like the old songwriter said, I can't even walk without Him holding my hand. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. And suffering has a way of reminding us. It destroys the pride in our life and humbles us. And Paul was humbled. He was he understood that he wasn't in control because the reality was, if it was up to him, he wouldn't have had the thorn in the flesh. But not only does it destroy the pride and humble us, but it reminds us that God's grace is ever sufficient. Paul wanted it out of his life. How many know suffering's painful? Hurtful. The absence of tears. Tears. We lay awake, just like the psalmist said, our couch is filled with tears during the night. Suffering is painful. And Paul said, I want it out. Three times he beckoned the Lord for God to remove the thorn in the flesh. What did God say? No. Listen, here's a principle I want you to understand. God will never protect you from that which He uses to perfect you. God will not protect you from that which He uses to perfect you. The thorn in the flesh was used by God. Listen to me. Understand this tonight. The thorn in the flesh was used by God to perfect, uh, to perfect Paul's life. And so he wasn't, God was not going to shelter Paul. God was not going to protect Paul from the thorn in the flesh because he was using that in Paul's life. And understand, God still uses suffering in our lives. Sometimes we think, God, you're not there. Where are you, God? You seem to be so distant. You seem to be so far, so far away. But the reality is God's not far away tonight. And listen, He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forsaken you. He loves you and He's got a plan even in the midst of your suffering. The old songwriter said, John Newton, boy, he went through some suffering as a slave trader, persecution in his walk with Christ. He said, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Can any saints of God say that tonight? Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Amen? And the reality is tonight that the ever-sufficient grace of God will get you through whatever you're facing. I promise you, I promise you tonight, I thought I wasn't going to make it through my daughter's diagnosis. I thought there's no way I could go on living because all I knew is that brain, tumor, death sentence. And I just couldn't. I, I, I remember sitting there in my home, coming home July the 3rd, 2012, and coming home, and the first thing that was going through my mind, we brought our daughter home from the hospital, and I just thought, God, just take her now. I don't want to watch her go through this suffering. I don't want to watch her die right in front of me. God, if you're going to take her, just take her now. I thought I couldn't take it, but I want you to understand tonight that His grace has been sufficient in our lives. Ever sufficient grace. His grace is always more than enough in our lives. Amen.
No matter what you're facing, cancer diagnosis, it doesn't matter if you've lost your job, His grace is sufficient. If you've got a marital problem tonight, His grace is sufficient. Listen, there is nothing greater than the grace of God. As Deidre saying, listen, for your sin, for your sickness, for the separation that you feel tonight, God's grace is greater. Would you believe it? Say amen tonight. Amen. Suffering is educational. But not only is it educational, suffering is beneficial. Notice what 2 Corinthians 4.17 says. Notice this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, notice this, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God uses suffering to work for us. Amen? Notice this is what Paul says, that this, that the suffering which is but for a moment worketh for us. Listen, one of the things that you need to understand is suffering is beneficial in your life because it works on your behalf. We know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. And the psalmist in 119 had it right when he said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept Thy word. And then he said in verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. When was the last time we thanked God for the trouble we're going through? When was the last time that we thanked Him for the storm that He brought in our lives? The psalmist said, listen, he had a correct theology concerning suffering because he understood that it was temporary. He understood that it was educational, but he also understood that it was beneficial for his life. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. How many know that God can use suffering to bring us back to Him. A lot of people have been rededicated their lives through suffering. God, a lot of people have been drawn close to God through the sufferings of their life. A lot of people have come to Christ through sufferings. And the psalmist had it right, listen, when he said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. And it's real interesting in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says this, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Interesting thought here. Crucifixion death is the road to resurrection power. Crucifixion, crucifixion death involves suffering. So therefore, we know that suffering is the path to resurrection power. You say, I want the anointing of the Apostle Paul. No, you don't. You don't want to pay the price that Paul paid. You say, I want the anointing that rests on Jacob's life. No, you don't because you don't want it to suffer to the, to the extent that Jacob has suffered. The reality is tonight that without suffering, there is no resurrection power in your life. The more that you suffer, the more that you go through, the more that you endure in this life, listen to me, God is giving you resurrection power and we want to be uh, sheltered from the storms. We want to be sheltered from the sufferings of life. We want God to remove us from the storm, but the reality is He's just leading you to more resurrection power. He's leading you to more of Himself. He's leading you more to the power of God in your life through the sufferings that you face in this life. Suffering is the path to resurrection power. I've never known a great man of God or a great woman of God that didn't endure great suffering in their life. I remember an evangelist that told me that exact line. I couldn't make sense of it. I just didn't understand how I could be pastoring this church and Listen, we had, quote-unquote, the perfect family. Our son had just been born two months earlier, and I had two girls and a boy, and I thought, man, my life is complete. I'm pastoring a church, living in the United States of America, not wealthy, not rich by any means, but I just had what I would consider a complete life, and it was all turned upside down. I thought, God, how do I make sense of this? I don't understand. And I remember 
One time Derek Stennett called and he said, Preacher, I want to encourage you. He says, what I want to encourage you with is, he said, I've never seen a great man of God that God used and expanded his ministry that didn't endure great suffering. I thought, that's it. This is the path to resurrection power. Amen. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Notice, and the fellowship of his suffering. Suffering is the path to resurrection life. Whatever you're going through tonight, notice that he, God's trying to get you to resurrection power. God's trying to get you to allow his strength to be made uh, manifest in your weakness. Whenever you are weak, then he is made strong. That's the path to resurrection power. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Two weeks ago, we went to a benefit for my daughter, and I met a, a man who is a pastor in Milton, Kansas. He's 64 years old, just full of joy. And about the end of our conversation, I find out that he has stage 4 colon cancer. And I'm thinking in my mind, how is this guy so joyful in the midst of his stage 4 colon cancer? And he says, he, he says Pastor, I want to tell you something. Fellow pastor, 64 years old. He says, my family has been torn up about this. And, and I finally had to have a meeting with my family and say, God's given me peace. And, and, and God's using me in the midst of the suffering that I'm going through. He says, but I started praying about it. I started fasting. And God's uh, led uh, the Cancer Center of, uh, of America in Chicago, Illinois, is on my heart. And so I contacted them. They said that, that you can come. Your insurance will cover you. He says, every three weeks I go up there for three days for cancer treatment. I fly there and I fly back. He says, Preacher, I can't wait to get on that plane. Not because of the chemotherapy, he says, but God has given me a ministry in Chicago, Illinois. He says, we, I've started a Bible study with other people uh, that are going through chemotherapy. He says, I've led others to Christ. Some have rededicated God is using His life. And listen, it took the sufferings in this life to lead Him to resurrection power. When He stands up on Sunday mornings back in Milton, Kansas, the anointing of God is flowing in His life in a new way. He's not complaining. He's not blaming God. He's not angry and He's not bitter. He doesn't have the poor theology concerning suffering. He understands that the sufferings of His life are beneficial and they're from God. God's using Him in a great way. All because he's allowing God to be glorified in the midst of his suffering. Last but not least tonight, I want you to understand that suffering prepares us for home. Suffering reminds us this world is not our home and, and prepares us for heaven. Think about this. If we never suffered in this life, I want you to look at me. If we never suffered in this life, we'd be perfectly content staying here forever. But the reality is, God says we're just pilgrims and strangers passing through. The Apostle Paul, this is what he said nearing the end of his life. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In Philippians 1 and 23, he says, I have a great desire to depart, but it's more needful for you that I stay. How did the Apostle Paul, why did he have such a great desire to depart and to be with Christ, there's one reason, because of all the suffering Paul faced. There's no one in the Scripture other than Job that endured more suffering outside of Jesus Christ than the Apostle Paul did. But he had gotten to the place that he was ready to go home. He says, I have a greater desire to depart and to be with Christ, but it's more needful for you that I stay. I always thought, man, why is it that it seems like it's only old people that are excited about going to heaven when I first got saved? I'll tell you why. Honestly. Hey, listen. You show me a person that's not excited about going to heaven, I'll show you a person that hasn't suffered much. 
I'll show you a person that really hasn't been through some things, but the more that you suffer and the more that you go through and the more trials and the more tribulations and the more things that you endure in this life, the more that you're ready to go home. And listen to me, suffering in this life prepares us to go home. If we didn't suffer, we'd be content to stay here forever. Maybe the reason for your suffering tonight is just to get you to understand you're not meant to stay here forever. God never intended for you to be here forever. Listen, there are a lot of great things in this life. Amen? Seven wonders of the world. Maybe you've been to Hawaii. I've been to Israel two years ago. And man, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things about this life that I enjoy. But the reality is through some of the things that I've gone through the last year, listen to me, I can identify with the Apostle Paul. I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord. I'm ready to go be with the Savior. I'll never forget the phone call that I got on October the 10th of 2010. I just finished up Sunday night service and was at home. And my mom called and said, your grandma is up here in the hospital and you need to come right away because she's not going to make it through the night. Now you have to understand, my grandma was like a second mom to me. I loved her. She loved God. She loved people. She was there for me. She believed in me when no one else did. And I remember driving on the way thinking there's no way that I can lose my grandma. But I get up into the room and I got to say one last goodbye to my grandma. Now I remember the last ten years of her life she suffered from a very rare disease called Mycenaeus gravis. Very uncommon. What happens is, is it affects the lung muscles. Your lung muscles and they freeze up and literally you just can't hardly breathe anymore. And so uh, for 31 days, she was on a ventilator on life support about five years uh, prior. And uh, she made it very clear that she did not want to be in all. Do not resuscitate. Very clear. But that night, her lungs froze up on her. And the family was all in a frenzy. And the doctors, a couple of doctors rushed in the room. And, and they saw that she was laboring uh, for air and, and gasping for her final breaths. And, and the doctors uh, hurried and they, they, they stuck a tube down her throat. And what happened next stunned everybody that was in the room. As soon as she realized what they did, she grabbed that tube and took it out of her throat. She just shook her head. You say, preacher, what was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. She began to get that faraway look in her eyes. She began to see that city that John saw. He said, well, there are no more tears. There is no more sorrow. For the former things are passed away. Behold, I make all things new. Preacher, what was going on? The suffering in my grandma's life had prepared her to go home. The suffering in her life prepared her to go home. She didn't want to stay here any longer. She was ready to go home. Sir, I don't know what you're facing tonight. Ma'am, I don't know exactly what you're dealing with in your heart. But what I want you to understand tonight is there is a sovereign God in heaven that loves you and He is 100% completely in control of what you're going through tonight. There is nothing that comes upon your life that doesn't first pass through the almighty hand of God. And I want you to understand, listen, your suffering is temporary. You say, preacher, it's terminal. It's still temporary. Life on earth is but a vapor. But then you need to understand that it's educational. You're going to learn through the midst of your suffering. And last but not least, suffering is going to purify you and it's going to prepare you to go home and be with the Lord. Let us bow for prayer. Father, we love you tonight. God, we're grateful that You use suffering in a way that only You can. 
God, I pray for those that are assembled under the sound of my voice. Some are walking through the fire. Some are walking through the flood. But God, I pray that you'll correct correct our theology tonight on suffering. God, that you would remind us that our suffering is temporary. God, help us to rediscover joy in the midst of our suffering. God, help us to have a song, never to lose a song in the midst of our suffering. Paul and Silas were thrown into the prison for preaching the Gospel. And they never lost their song in the midst of their suffering. God, maybe there's a mom and dad that has lost their song tonight. God, would You give it back in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that You would remind us that suffering humbles us. And it destroys the pride in our lives. It reminds us that we are creature, not creator. God, we're not in control. You are. Last but not least, Lord, suffering prepares us. It's beneficial. It prepares us to go home and be with You. Lord, I just pray You'll give strength to the weary. For those that are dealing with heartaches and discouragement and depression, anxiety. God, I can identify. This last year, I've endured things that I never thought I would. But Lord, Your grace has been ever sufficient. God, if we never had a sickness, how would we know that You're the healer? God, if we never had a financial problem, how would we know You're the provider? God, You're doing work in our hearts and lives through suffering. And the reality is, You can bring it all to an end tonight. Whether it's a sickness, God, You're the healer. And we thank You for it. God, I pray You'll crown the service with victory in the altar we pray in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to come tonight, you say, Preacher, I need to discover joy in the midst of my suffering. I've been going through some things and the reality is I have been bitter and I have complained and I have been angry with God. But tonight I need to understand that the suffering that I've endured is beneficial in my life. That God is trying to do something new and fresh. God's trying to lead me to resurrection power. If that's you tonight, you just want to slip up your hand and say, Preacher, I'm enduring things tonight. I see the tears that you're wiping off your cheeks tonight. God sees the tears. If that's you, you slip up your hand and say, That's me. Would you pray for me tonight? God sees the hands. Thank you. God sees the hands. Listen, you're suffering. Maybe you're here and you say, The devil's trying to convince me that my suffering tonight is permanent. Things are never going to change. If that's you and you'd like me to pray for you, slip up your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. God sees your hand. God bless you. Thank you in the back. Your suffering's not permanent. It's temporary. Maybe there's some things that you need to learn in your spiritual walk. Maybe you need to guard against becoming self-sufficient in your life. God's trying to use suffering to humble you and destroy the pride in your life. Preacher, I need more resurrection power, but I can't get it unless I go through suffering. If you'd like to pray tonight, why don't you come? They're going to begin to sing. But if you need a touch from the Lord tonight, why don't you come? God's not going to protect you from that which He uses to protect you. Amen.